First Nations people have been practicing culture and art symbiotically for hundreds of thousands of years. So culture is art or is a representation of, of our artistic um, responses to the world, I guess. And, and for First Nations people, you could almost argue that we were the first artists and the oldest living culture in the world and with song and dance and oral storytelling and narrating. And those things are things that Aboriginal people have been doing for a very long time. It's an ancient culture being shared and embedded into the hearts and minds of our next generation of Australians. Spotlight is an opportunity for candid conversations with industry professionals, artists, teachers and students about all things performing arts. The CASPER team will chat to practitioners about their process, career highlights, future ambitions and the role of the arts in their lives. Welcome to Spotlight Season 2, Episode 8, our podcast series focusing on cultural arts and education. With us today we have Stuart McMinn, a descendant of the Darug and Gubby Gubby people. Stuart has dedicated many years to learning traditional song and dance, and he has performed extensively throughout Australia and overseas. As a principal songman, Stuart's passion is working in the educational settings of schools, corporate companies and government organisations, sharing and teaching Aboriginal culture, dance, spirituality and traditional ways of being. Sydney Catholic Schools Performing Arts is also very fortunate to have Stuart as our cultural advisor and creative director of the Murrawadding Gujaga Program, which sets out to develop Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students' connection to culture through storytelling, dance, drama and music. Stuart, it's always inspiring to listen to you and learn from you, so thank you for being here and for suggesting that we call this series Nurabaya Camp Talks. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm really, really pumped and really excited to be part of this. Stuart, Principal Songman is an intriguing title. Can you explain what it means to be a Principal Songman? Yeah, definitely. So for my company, I'm Principal Songman, and essentially what that means is I'm a holder of songs. I have the honour of holding songs and being able to share them, um, but also sing them. So with that comes obligation and responsibility. So it's really important that when you get cultural knowledge that you don't just give it away straight away, you hold on to it and you pass it on when the time is right. And that for us is something that we're taught from from my teacher, Uncle Paul Gordon, and that it's so important to value the knowledge. And by giving it away constantly um, without people earning it, we'll disrespect the knowledge. So it's important that we hold it and just let it become part of who we are before we share it. So, Stuart, you often talk about cultural obligation. How does this impact on your life and work, and and what does it mean in regard to the education of young people? Yeah, um, I'd say the way it impacts on life and work is that it's an honour. It's funny, we hear the word obligation nowadays, and it it has a negative connotation, but culturally it's a really big honour to be able to live your obligation. And when we live that obligation, we find fulfilment, and part of that is the education of others. And so for me, when I get to share my cultural knowledge and the things that have been handed to me, it actually enables me to find fulfilment because I'm living my my cultural responsibilities to to the people of Australia. If you're on this country, 
it's my job and my obligation to share and to teach you and to help you understand more about First Nations people. So it's actually really fulfilling. I'm extremely passionate about my obligation to teaching young people because they're our future. And the more we educate them around cultural practice and protocols and and just cultural knowledge in general, the more understanding our future is going to be. And and that means that my children and my children's children and you know my great 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 grandchildren are growing up in a more compassionate, accepting, and loving Australia. So, how do you um, define the relationship between culture and art? Ah, oh, hand in hand. First Nations people have been practicing culture and art symbiotically for hundreds of thousands of years. So culture is art or or is a representation of our artistic um, responses to the world, I guess. And, And for First Nations people, you could almost argue that we were the first artists and the oldest living culture in the world and we've song and dance and oral storytelling and narrating and those things are things that Aboriginal people have been doing for a very long time. So to bring this into today's society, it's no different. You know, First Nations people are all about relationships and we understand that humanities is is about the arts. And so First Nations people fit so well into the arts sector because it's a way for us to express ourselves but tell the stories that have been told for hundreds of thousands of years and also opportunity to create new stories and make sure we tell those as well. So how do you educate people then in Aboriginal culture through dance or traditional ways of being? I think it it comes through multiple platforms or mediums. For me, dance is always one that's really accessible. Song and dance is something that every society has done. No matter where your background's from, you would all have traditional songs and dances that your, your people would have performed. Uh, as well as storytelling. So oral storytelling, again, is is something that every single person, no matter what their heritage has come from, their roots are from people always sitting around a fire and having a story told to them. Um, for us, it's, it's no different. So it's really important that those mediums are really accessible for a lot of people, but it's also something that they really connect with because there's something in their spirit that stirs when they get to have those experiences. We're so lucky in Australia to have one of the most modern societies living hand-in-hand with one of the most ancient societies. And there's just so much we can learn from each other, and I feel like the arts provides a really wonderful platform for that to take place. So on a daily basis, you inspire old and young generations through your knowledge, passion, respect for culture and country. So how can we ensure that these stories continue to be told and understood and experienced through performing arts? Well, that's a big question. I think there's multiple answers to that. One is that we continue to support First Nations people in our schools and education of First Nations youth in order to be able to become the keepers of those songs and those stories uh, and for the continuity of that to continue right throughout Australia. So that needs to be supported and not just black people supporting it. Uh, It needs to be all Australians supporting that and ensuring the continuity of culture happens. So our culture doesn't belong in a museum. It's actually lived and experienced every day. And so that's one way. The other way is also to provide wonderful and positive cultural experiences 
for all Australians and especially I focus on youth a lot because again they're our future and when we share our culture with all Australians people will hold a piece of that in their heart and they'll grow up and have those fond memories and then also want to preserve but continue culture as well so I think it's it's something that we often we often don't give enough time to we forget that sitting around and telling a story or doing a dance or doing an artwork um, and connecting the culture. We often in our education system say that that's not valuable because you need to read and write. Um, But when people actually have the opportunity to sit, stop, look, listen and learn from one another and, and actually express themselves artistically, we find that it's, it's really good for their mental health, for their spirituality, but also really good for their education as well. I guess this leads into the next question. What is your vision for cultural arts and education today? Has your vision evolved as you've also grown in your own knowledge and experiences? Yeah, 100%. Um, so I, I started my cultural business like 17 years ago. And initially for me, it was really about being able to dance and, and perform because I loved culture. Where that's evolved to now is understanding, again, my obligation and responsibility to share culture uh, and to make it accessible. Uh, I find that the arts has a way of helping people palate or swallow um, tough issues um, that we don't normally want to talk about in an everyday setting. So when you can see it through a dance or through the medium of um, a comedy or through the medium of, of song, people are much more open to actually taking the information on. So I think it's a, a opportunity to push the barriers for people's growth. At times, it's an opportunity to help people understand some of the yucky parts of Australian history that we all don't always want to discuss, but it's really important that we all learn about. For me, the most important thing is a way for people to feel included in culture. So I often say that when we start celebrating First Nations culture, we actually don't lose 250 years, we gain 100,000 years as Australians. And the opportunity that the arts provide for that inclusion rather than exclusion is a really wonderful opportunity. So I think my ethos has changed a lot around those things where once upon a time I may have just focused on just teaching First Nations kids, but now my ethos is one of love and compassion and actually sharing with a much broader audience. The arts has provided that all for me and it seems like just a dance sometimes to people but to me it's an ancient culture being shared and embedded into the hearts and minds of our next generation of Australians. And we hear a lot about embedding Aboriginal perspectives in our curriculum, in our classes, into a school community In your opinion, what's the most effective thing we can all do as educators to contribute to cultural awareness? Just one thing or can I name a few? We'll go go the whole hall. Awesome. Okay, so um, first thing we need to learn about it. To learn something, you need to be open to understand that you may struggle with some of the concepts that are being put forward and it may make you feel a little bit uncomfortable when we're actually learning about Australian history or culture and identity because it's different to ours. Different isn't bad, it's actually good. I've often noticed when I've learned something new, 
I would wrestle with it a bit. And I might even argue against it or fight with it a tiny bit until I, I actually start to understand it and embed it into my knowledge and my being. So I think being ready to wrestle with some of those concepts and understand that just because you're an educator doesn't mean you're always right and that you can also learn new skills and, and new knowledges. Uh, and I say that in the most humble way because I know our educators are phenomenal people doing wonderful work for our students. Um, so that's one thing I would say is is be able to take it on, learn about it and embed it. From there, once we learn, have a go. So many people are so worried nowadays to actually embed something cultural into their curriculum. And, and what that does and what fear does when we sit in a state of fear is it actually stops us from learning and growing, but it also stops our students from learning and growing. So try and come from a place of love and bravery rather than fear, because fear will, will actually um, debilitate us. So when we sit in a truth of love that I'm having a go at this because I want the best for my First Nation students and for other students in our schools, you'll find that you won't put a foot wrong. So have a go at embedding that stuff that you've learned into your practice. Number three, don't be afraid to make mistakes because if we make mistakes, we're going to learn from them. For me, again, when you're sitting in that place of love, you're able to go, hey, I'm actually really having a go because I want to ensure that First Nation kids are affirmed in their identity. They're, they're kind of three really big things. Another thing we can do is get cultural experts in, ask people to come in and share their culture, empower our kids to go home and do that. Ask them if we're doing it, uh, you know, an English lesson to go home and research a Dreamtime story from their country and, and bring it in and actually get them to be the educators as well. So don't be afraid of handing the reins over to your students every now and again to share a bit more. And I think that goes for all cultures and identity. It's when we think equity and diversity, we actually start practicing equity and diversity. But if we don't think diverse, we never get it. And so it's so important for us to embed all cultures because we're such a wonderful melting pot. But they're the things for me that I find uh, are really important. The other thing is schools investing in cultural development days. You know, have someone come in and actually help educate your staff as to how to embed culture into curriculum and, and take the opportunities up rather than being scared of them. Stuart, it's really empowering to hear that we all have permission to learn and share cultural knowledge and can all make a difference. So in the classroom, uh, no boundaries? No, look, that's, that's a great question and, and you're right, you know, and, and when, I talk, when we talk about permission, I guess for me it's, it's like I'm always happy to share and to have people share. I think it's important to acknowledge that some other people may not be as open to that or, or willing to share. And so we still need to tread lightly with teaching that knowledge. And so it's really important that we bring expertise, experts in to actually help us grow. So if we're, we're doing art, maybe getting someone in who understands the dot art movement, or if we're doing dance, we get someone in to initially show us and share with us some cultural dance and song and those things, or, or have them part of the process of developing new songs and dance. What that does is it becomes a two-way conversation where we're empowering community to educate our kids, 
but we're also supporting and facilitating the process along the ways as well. It's kind of like, yeah, an open slather within boundaries, if that makes sense. Just constantly being respectful and understanding that First Nations knowledge belongs to First Nations people. So it's so important that we acknowledge where that knowledge comes from. We take the time to think and be grateful to the people that are sharing their information and that definitely that we don't go away and claim that knowledge or misappropriate it. So if you're taught something a certain way, you teach it a certain way. If you're asked to do something a certain way, you ensure that you stay true to that. And that's that's just, I believe, around some you know basic professional courtesy, um, but also it'll go a long way to strengthening, building and maintaining good cultural relationships with your community but also within within your school and also within your professional practice. Stuart, you give so much and you make a huge difference to the lives of many people. We're very privileged to have you as part of the Casper team. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and, as always, for inspiring us towards a more culturally educated future. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. <laughs>